0: Like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast Community Group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. How the fuck are you,
1: Detroit? Nice to see you. Again. I hope you're better than those assholes that were here last night. Actually, I'm not referring to the crowd last night. I'm just referring to the first ten rows last
0: night. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring is
2: Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in a jump, Mr. Boom Gasper
1: You can call me Al, you can call me Ed, you just just
0: fucking call me right you. everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast, and we're coming on the end of 2021. Believe it or not, we have lived almost through another year, and uh, today's episode, we're going back to 2003. That was another year that, believe it or not, after it was done, you were like, whoa, I can't believe we lived 2003, because there was a lot of crazy things that happened that year, too. Some might even get brought up in this episode, but we are doing clarkston detroit well it's somewhere in michigan that will be debated upon let's just jump right into it randy Soble over here john Farr over there hello, hello. this is going to be like the white dress uh uh blue dress thing from years ago you remember that uh-huh that controversy yeah, yeah, is it clarkston yeah. is it detroit I look. I, I I think I've seen it say Clarkston on mo- most things, so I'm going to go with that. Even yeah, though officially,
3: officially it's Clarkston, unofficially it's the
0: Metro Detroit
3: area. area probably. Sure,
0: sure. And then I guess that's the sexy title for it, if you want to say that. But I guess that's why maybe if you look at the shows in 2003 and you look down the list, especially when it comes down to where. This show is on the schedule. It's it's June 26th. That's getting pretty close to your big heavy hitter shows. The Mansfield show is going to be in, what, like six days or so? uh, The first one, at least. And then six days from that is going to be your your MSG Live at the Garden one. And then Mansfield the number three is going to happen, and that's going to blow everybody out of the water. So a lot of stuff is going on. So... I guess it's easy to overlook this show in 2003 if it just says Clarkston and not Detroit because where is Clarkston? People won't immediately bring attention to
4: that.
3: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to trust our uh, our patron on this one. He had he had an opinion on it. I'm going to go with what he says cuz he was there, so I'm going to go with his opinion.
0: Yes, this is a Patreon-requested episode. It was requested by our longtime patron, Clay Davis. And uh, boy, he requested a really good one for us because there's a lot to explain about why this show happened. And it wasn't always supposed to be a two-nighter. This is the second of two nights. And hes I'm going to let him explain all of that. But essentially, there was a reason behind why they didn't want it to just be one night. So we're gonna throw it to Clay here. We did our Horizon Profile episode with him this past week, and that'll be on our Patreon at some point after this episode airs. But we're gonna air the whole entire little bit and piece from when we talked about Clarkston. And I think the first thing that we end up talking about is this controversy: is it Clarkston or Detroit? Clay's Canadian. I don't know if he has the answer, but boy, Canada and Detroit are neck and neck. They're so close together. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's hear what he has to say on everything.
4: I went to college in Windsor, which is a a stone's throw away, you know, across the Detroit River um, into the Canadian side. Clarkston is a suburb of Detroit. And the venue in which they played at at the time was named the DTE Energy Theater or whatnot. The but Do it, the Evolution Energy Theater, right? Do the Evolution Energy Theater. But uh, uh, prior to that, it was it was it was named Pine Knob, and Pine Knob it was sort of a I don't want to say legendary because that's that, that's some huge terms, but it but it was it was sort of a a place where big bands went to play you know oh, yeah. and uh S- Seeger had night after night after night there and Eddie Money opened the the season he ended the season and and th- these are all sort of you know these 80s or 70s acts that that came there so so th- the the venue in and of itself is sort of a classic venue but it, it is in a town called Clarkson which is a suburb of Detroit it looks like it's
3: way up north like up by Pontiac and Auburn Hills and some of the other places where some of those
4: stadiums were yeah, that's, that's exactly where it is. It's, it's all gets something. Yeah, it's a good 40-minute drive out of the city.
0: Tell us about the whole situation there, because this one, there were two nights. This one wasn't on the schedule. Listening to this show, Ed mentions a bunch of times something about the season ticket holders in front and how on night one, the season ticket holders were not attentive they're not paying attention they're not engaging with the band did that have something to do with them adding an extra night to this because there were uh season ticket holders that kind of blocked other fans from getting to this show
4: yeah that's my recollection of it is exactly that so you know i'm hoping through this podcast someone will be able to uh write in or email in and, and Give me, you know, a little bit more clarity around the situation because I'm I'm recalling memories that are, you know, eighteen eighteen and a half years old. But uh, from my memory, here's how it kind of played out: They announced the 2003 tour, and Detroit had the date on the 25th. And as it played out, at that time I was a fan club member. I was part of the you know part of the fan club and looking to get tickets, and the venue would also sell season tickets but they would sell season tickets to the venue so there became this conflict between the band and the venue as to who are going to get these seats so i think pearl jam went in with hey we negotiated that our fan club would get the first 10 rows or whatever first 20 rows and the venue said no 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 we sell these seats to to corporations and we sell them to fans and you're not getting them and there was this big problem so the 10 club didn't get what they would normally get at a pro Jam show. And I believe, if my memory serves me right, the band decided that because of that problem, they were going to play a secondary night, and the secondary, the second night would be right after, as, as the way the schedule rolled. But even to sort of make it okay with the 10 Club, lawn seats were free. And if they weren't free, they were like $5.
0: Wow. Yeah.
4: And, That's and, awesome. I, and basically, as long as you were a ten club member and you said yes, you got tickets to go to night two wow
0: and so so what was your situation? Did you have tickets to both of them, or did you did you get the did you get freebies?
4: Yeah, no, so I went well well, I had tickets to night one, and at that time, I was still a ten club member, and all of this went down, and so I got night two tickets obviously i mean it was it, you know at that point i was in college i was in windsor uh just don't throw away so you know money was a little tight so the fact that i could go to a secondary show for almost free was amazing so of course i'm gonna you know take that opportunity
0: not only that but the show itself i mean it just feels like the band is Pissed to be there, but pissed in, like, a a happy way, like, a, like, you know, everybody's in on the joke sort of thing. They were mad from the night before, so they're like, all right, this is all of our energy from being pissed off from the last night, all coming out. And then, what, the first nine, ten songs out of the gate are all no hits. Basically, these are the ones that the fans covet the most, it seems.
4: That right, might- right
0: it might be one of the best first halves of a main set I've ever seen. And that's just from strictly a like songs that I absolutely love standpoint.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, so again, my, my, my recollection may be a little foggy and, and I can't wait for someone to correct me on this, but, my sense was from what I remember is the idea that a lot of those fan club members, those diehards didn't get to basically they were waiting on their tickets and they got screwed. So they didn't get night one. So when night two rolled around, the the band was, was ready to go. And I do think the band, I, I think, you know, when I look at the show in its entirety, and I listened to it back many, many, many times. I think Ed may have been a little tired. The band may a little bit tired. I think they went pretty hard after the show night one again, speculation, but just this is the, the third night in a
3: row too. And the fourth show in five days.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So they I got think a lot I, coming for them in the next two weeks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think there was a little bit, but this all happened. This wasn't like months ahead of time. This, this was like a, you know, a, a six week turnaround type of thing that this show was announced and that this was going to happen. And, and and that whole thing so um but in terms of like burning down the house when they first came out that little string that you're talking about is it, amazing you know they they come out with last exit and then they just keep rolling in a brain of J and then and they, you know they drop uh, at that time a very rare in my tree which also kind of ties into why this show is so important to me and and but i mean that in of itself, to answer your question, yeah, they, I mean they they burnt the house down there early with those with that with that opening swing.
3: Now there was a, there were a couple of presets at these shows. Ed evidently did throw your arms around me in the preset before the bug socks went on. Did you get there in time to see
4: that? No, the the night one I I didn't, uh, but I, unfortunately uh, you know and, and I was upset that I didn't get to see that preset and then I heard about it so that night two rolled around and then i did get to see it now i caught the tail end um you know yeah, I, night I got, one you did kids are all right yeah night two we did throw your arms around me we don't have that on the bootleg yeah so so i got i got the very tail end i got in there early enough and i and i stopped to try okay. and get a t-shirt and next thing i know you know here it is they're playing and i'm you know i'm staying in line so i don't want i don't want to lose my place in line um so i i get to my seats to hear the last you know Mid, mid of the song, and it was, was kind of cool. What do you think are your top three moments from this show? For me, my top three, and again, it, it, it's speaking to the time that I saw them. So I, I hadn't had a collection of songs yet. So, so for me, in that moment, um, present tense was there because I had not seen it in the way that I saw them play it. Immortality was there for sure, and then, and I know this is sound stock, but at the time that i had, had seen them and what i was exposed to i mean the better man with the save it for later tag was w- was awesome for me that was better man just starting to become what we all know it is today which is this sing along this and that but in 2003 that was sort of the infancy of the call and response and and how it all played out so i mean those were my top three but that's my pearl jam recollection i've got a different top three from just sort of a an experience standpoint. At that time, you know, I was able to get these, like I mentioned before, these, these very, very cheap tickets. And so I was in college and and I was living with a gentleman at the time. He was one of my roommates. And uh he hadn't been to very many concerts, period, but he loved music. Him and I met through, you know, we, we both had this part-time job and 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 we worked at the same place and we we're like, okay, we're going to the same college, um, maybe we can room together. So we, we decided to room together. And this guy, you know, I'm listening to CDs and Pound of Music back then, and, and, and he had already decided that vinyl was his way to go way back then. And, and he understood Pearl Jam, you know, he, he, he appreciated Pearl Jam, but his favorite album was No Code. And he had No Code on vinyl, even way back then. So for him, you know, he, he sort of is like this guy that was like standing out amongst the crowd. He's like, this, this is the guy, he loves Pearl Jam, but he loves No Code. That's that's unique, but I love Pearl right. Jam. I appreciate that. So him and I had this bond over that, and he, you know he had liked the vitology, he liked vitology, and he had heard, you know, he knows all the ten songs, and he knows all the verses songs, but this is where he gravitated towards. So, so when I was able to get affordable tickets, I got a ticket and I gave it to this guy and I said, you get, you got to come see Pearl Jam. At this point, I had already seen this would be my fifth Pearl Jam show, and I kind of was already bought in hundred percent, and I'm trying to bring people aboard. So when I brought him to this show. Most of Night 2, I'm spending just kind of in the, in the joy of watching this other person who appreciates the band, but you know didn't experience the live experience, and now he's experiencing it. And not only did he get to experience it, he, he got to hear some stuff from his favorite album. At the time, to kind of get that, that no-code, like one, two, three in a row, that was such a unique thing. And I remember just losing my mind going, wow. They just did three no-code songs in a row, you know? So thank you so much, Clay, for sharing
0: your stories. And again, that's going to be on our Patreon this week. And the Horizon profiles are actually free for everybody. I make those free because I feel like there are people out there that want to hear stories like friends and family might want to hear somebody like clay's story and they're not gonna they're not gonna spend a dollar to go and and listen to their friend or or brother's story or something like that so i make it free for everybody because i know that they want to listen to and hear their people's story about pearl jam because they might not in any other sense understand it especially you know the your your friend that kind of looks at you sideways and when you say oh i've been to 25 shows they're like whoa what so you want you want them to listen to that kind of stuff, but they don't have to pay for it, so good for them. Let's react to this. Now, okay, going back to the whole idea of why these shows happened the way they did. Night one, Ed was pretty pissed off during if If you listen and read some of the quotes from it, Ed was not very happy with, with the people in front. Pissed off that they were all corporate suit kind of people. They were all the season ticket holders like they talked about. And it was because of that, that they couldn't just keep that one night there and they had to open it up. And thankfully, they did such a great service by opening up night two to all the fans for for free or close to free on on the back lawn over there. But that must have been just a whole mess of a situation for the band, you would think.
3: Yeah, it's on night one. It says they almost didn't even play here. Because there's so many like ads and like corporate sponsorships in the venue and like you just laugh at that now because it's so like ubiquitous everywhere you go. But right like back then that was a big thing, like that that wasn't kind of new at the time. He's he's used to connecting with those people in the front row and he's looking down and he's expecting to see the fans who like who slept out and camped out and waited and stood in line and did the whole thing and people who like really live and die with it, those are the people he connects with for these shows and he needs that but here he's looking out and he's probably you know seeing people in suits and ties and you know sipping on wine and i'm obviously stereotyping a little bit but i'm sure it wasn't far away from that people just kind of go in there like oh, okay like the, yeah great are, the, are they gonna play jeremy did they did they play jeremy yet so yeah it's just a, a weird vibe for the for that show
0: there's a telling line in this show that that's going to happen a little later that that you think is is directly right at them and it's it's very funny. I don't know if you caught it, but it it was pretty clear. I I thought it was pretty clear, but we will we will get to that. But yeah, they, they just of course feed off all the energy From the people in front, always, and and that the Ed's always trying to make eye contact with people. He's always trying to kind of make a connection and and see what people are doing during songs and, and who's passionate about what. And he's always trying to do that sort of thing. And it's hard, it's really hard to put that connection together. And I think that's why you see in this set, and even the night before set, like they played rival third song in and they opened with animal, which are two very, very uncommon let's just downright say rare things to do in a Pearl Jam set. And mainly due to being pissed off, but also due to like, okay, if these fuckers aren't going to like it, I'm not going to give them anything that they want. And in in this night they almost got nothing. But however, what I do want to bring up before any of this gets in, I just want to say the first nine or ten songs in the main set are all in my top 25 songs this is a set list absolutely built for for my taste and, and you're not that far behind with with a lot of these exactly. songs yeah I mean, especially a,
3: right a lot of vitality. a lot of no code and yeah that's you know that that's our go-to you know people know so yeah and like it's it's funny that like the set list that's like, oh, we're gonna do one deliberate to be deliberately, you know, anti hit song, whatever that's one where we're like, yeah, that kind of makes makes me do a little like hmm it says more about me than it does about him, probably. but um <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's absolutely great. And yeah, the night one set list is weird, you know, deliberately kind of off from what they had been doing. And this one too, I think they were playing off that same thing. And like, whenever whenever you get a night two, that's always the one where they're just kind of throw caution to the wind, and you're gonna get some stuff that you don't normally get. And that was that's true then. It's true now. So. This is no exception. Yeah, this is fantastic. Thanks again to to Clay for recommending it because uh, this is this is one of those little hidden gems that that it might have taken us a long time to get to, but I'm glad we got to it here.
0: All right, this is going to be a good warm discussion about how much we love this band in this episode, and like they said a couple of times in 2003, let the show begin. They didn't say it on this night, but the first song that we get out of the gate there's sort of this like strum and drone before the song and it's kind of cool it it doesn't really remind me of the album version of Last Exit where they're kind of noodling beforehand but it's the same kind of sense essentially they're coming right out of the gate there's no release there's no long road there's no sometimes there's none of that stuff we're hitting Last Exit right away Off the bat, Ed screaming, let's go. Firing out of the gate. It's a fast version.
3: Last exit with Matt, when he was still kind of like the new guy in the band, is a little like it's, you know, it's just not his style to be that kind of like heavy. He's more of like a solid like... It, this one didn't feel like it popped like it like it normally does on that snare on those beats, and maybe that's you know that's just his style that's the way he was playing. I mean, I think he's gotten to that now where he makes a thing of it, but this one, yeah, it had a kind of
0: a kind of a weird energy to it for me. Let's get the opening stats on it since we have that information. What do you think? what do you think the number is? Ooh, uh, let's
3: see, how many times has Last Exit been played? It's been played 235 times. I'm going to say it's been an opener 10 times.
0: Very close, 12. Okay. And close with once for for the record. It's going to be a big vitality night, especially towards the end of this main set. And that's your, your first indication of, okay, throwing it out there, the first song off the record. At the end of the night, you'll know why
3: like you mentioned Ed, the first thing he says is just let's go like he's trying to get those people in the back because he feels bad that they couldn't get up front so he's trying to like immediately get those people in the back going and he's jacked up for the next one too i know it's more that's your favorite but this is a heavy on on ed's energy early on
0: great yeah and absolutely with this next version this is brandon jay that follows up and again that's another uh, lead off track a lead off album song and we don't get a lot of yield songs this might be the only one from the night as yep, i is. look down it is yep. there's no do the evolution no wish List," no giving a fly or anything like that but oh my god this version is unbelievably good comes off the way that there's some of like the vigor but then there's some of the catchiness and bounciness to it that balances the song it's exactly how i envision wanting to hear it live and and you just get like even before that second verse there was this preface moan oh it's so good and matt is such a standout on it he has incredible fills leading up to the solo it's an a plus a plus for my favorite song it's tough for me to tell you my favorite versions of this because you just listen to it so much and it kind of the information kind of gets clogged up but i don't know if i'm gonna forget this one this one is a standout
3: yeah and this is a, it's a yield song so it's a stone solo who really stood out to jeff and stone at the end the way that the the pace was was coming in and out of, of the the melody there was really really well done yeah this is a this is a great version of brand j i'm with you
0: and hey, look we'll we'll get to yours in what? like two or sure, three minutes sure. so everybody everybody is getting what they want out of this show that's that's the beauty of it so we uh, we talked a little bit about vitality we're gonna talk a little bit about no code and hell hell I'm gonna package hell hell and save you here together because why not continue the m- momentum that you had off of both last exit and Brain of J and it's the beginning of four out of the five next songs are all no code songs. That is probably outside of '96, like never been done before. Yeah, yeah, very, very rare. It's an album that they kind of put towards the back burner and maybe kept a couple of songs that kept Hell Hell around, but uh, and present tense around this time was starting to creep back in, but it was still considered a little bit rare. But absolutely, I mean, for all your people in front that are, uh, like you said, the the wine sippers down there, these guys. Whether they were watching or not, they probably have no idea what's going on here. From No Code, it just everything is just it rips. It's fast. It's played with a purpose. Hell, hell, it works. It's such a great one to the net. Like the momentum is working really well. Debut off the gate. Just the sound of Mike's guitar as the riff comes in is incredible. It's one of three Riot Act songs in this show. And this is really the one that stayed around the whole entire time. That's really been played every night. But they don't go back to, like, I Am Mine, or they don't go back to Thumbing My Way, some others that they played a and little they, bit from the store.
3: The first night. The
0: first night had a few more in Right. But, I mean, they kept keeping Save You around shows what they thought of this song at the time especially in this spot getting you going in the really early on and that's a repeat from night one too they played it on night one of course they did
3: this this first four i mean it's just it's the middle finger to the people in the front right it's like oh though you think you know us you think you came in wanting something well fuck you you're not gonna get it like that's what this first four is and the intensity just ramps up you can you can tell like you know, we we talk about it all the time. Ed wears his art on the sleeve, you know exactly how he's feeling. He's not exactly having a great time here. He's not happy with, with the setup, with the venue. Obviously we, we talked about it a little bit about you know what happened the night the night before, but he's he's letting out some frustration in these first four.
0: You know what's really odd? And I just realized from the way that you were just explaining everything? Seven Vitalogy songs, only one in the first night. They didn't play not for you. To, to, to the front. That one felt like the layup, but interesting. Just interesting to think about. But we'll move on. Ed says, thank you. How the fuck are you, Detroit? He calls it Detroit. It sounds better on the boot Nice to see you. I hope you're better than those assholes from last night. I'm just referring to those in front. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I didn't think he said that in hell hell did you catch whether he's cuz he usually I don't
3: think he did. Yeah. Yeah,
0: usually I refer to those in front. No, he was probably like, "Oh, I refer to those yeah. on on the grass that I didn't have to pay to get in." Yeah. Um yeah, so he's he's saying referring to those in the first 10 rows, seeing as we played things the way that we did last night, we're going to experiment a little bit tonight, do some different things that we aren't normally doing. We'd like to make this one to remember and then a big shout out. How's everybody doing in the back? That's all the 10 club members back there that got in for next to nothing. So that's who he's playing for. This is I don't know if it's the official first version of alternate in my tree in this Second. way. Second. Yeah, but Fargo was a little different, wasn't it? It is it, different.
3: It is different. This is this is this might be a unique like version unto itself. So
0: explain that then.
3: So, of course, in my tree, I think it played just what once or twice in two thousand. Almost was was gone. Matt just couldn't nail Jack's rhythm. They didn't feel like it was coming together like it had been. So, didn't get played for a long time. Go to Fargo, North Dakota. Ed comes on and says, "We're just going to play the part we remember on this one. We haven't played this one in a while." And he starts this like acoustic guitar, kind of strummy in my tree. And he doesn't remember a lot of the words. He goes off on an improv, and, you know, I'm not going to rave on too much about that version because we'll get to that show at some point. But it was very different. It was kind of shorter. It was a different kind of reworked in My Tree, and they were doing that. You know, when Why Go came back in 2003, it was a reworked. You know, we talked about how Garden was reworked and a lot of different things. Jeremy, obviously, the big one. So this one, they decide after Fargo, come back here, they're going to play it again. And it's early in the set, like it used to be, kind of in its little spot there number five. And he starts playing this kind of like little pretty intro to it. And you're kind of like, okay, that's, could be... good it's so much better than the like the fargo version i love because of the improv and like how he kind of works around it and not knowing the words but this one you can tell like they're trying to work out something different to it the build is really good ed sounds really good stones on the acoustic guitar it builds up to the point and like you know you're ready for the drums to kick in and mike to just let loose on this this soaring solo but here comes boom oh my goodness with a solo and it's it's totally unexpected it's 180 degrees from anything we would expect from memory tree but it works i think these 2003 in my trees are you know it's it's different but they're some of my favorite versions just because they kind of like paired the song down to its essentials right it's yeah. i love i love jack you know my my personal favorite drummer that they've ever had but these versions it's just so different and i love how they just kind of took the parts they kind of stripped away all the other stuff and just let the song stand for what it is and it, it's just a testament to how well written of a song it is.
0: What I said before about like this really being kind of the first that they really worked out because it's really that 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 Fargo version is so different than anything else but I think that what you hear in this version of In My Tree is what you're familiar with from the Live at the Garden version. I think that those two and then a couple of those others that are in between these are all kind of together. But man, is this good. This is really well done, especially the backup vocals are really good on it. It's just, it's got a haunting progression to it. Mike sounds really good. And then you mentioned Boom solo. And Boom is gonna have For an album and for a time that Boom was not being used on every song in 2003, Boom gets some shining moments on the No Code stuff here.
3: Yeah, We'll we'll get to another one in just a minute.
0: Yeah, so look, it's completely different. It's something that worked incredibly well for them during this time period. And I think a lot of people, when they're thinking about alternate versions of songs, I hope that this one comes to their head first thinking that okay like it, it's kind of like the corduroy from bridge school it's just different it's kind of like what he said with with jeremy it, it's different and everybody wants a little taste of that especially when you got 30 years on you you want a little bit of taste that that you can do it differently and that's that's what we like and it makes us excited every time we get something like this this was phenomenal i can listen to this all day Absolutely. i can talk about it all Absolutely. day uh, you know it's like. It's kind of got like a jam band kind of vibe to it where it feels like it can keep going for a lot more measures than 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 it's going but it's also kind of still arena rock in a way where it's filling the stadium and people can kind of get sucked into the, the vortex that, that this song brings with like the atmospheric sounds and, and Mike's guitar and, and what boom is doing, especially, uh, yeah, but it's, it's still
3: got that build that just builds to that soaring part. It's still, right. you think like, yeah, if you strip a song down like this, it's going to lose its essence kind of, but it doesn't, it just makes it even better.
0: Yeah. I would have loved to see what they would have done with this version like as a studio recording.
3: I wish they would have played it at like at Bridge School or something.
0: Yeah, that'd be yeah. interesting. Very yeah. interesting. But look, uh, we don't have a lot of these versions. And obviously, when, when they do come up, we, we got to give it its love. And, and it, it it got it, because this is going to be one that's probably coming back a little bit later. But I mentioned Boom. And I mentioned that Boom on No Code stuff, which i don't even think now like when you think of no code and boom like what's the highlight for him now maybe a a little bit on present tense not really though what's the highlight for him there You're, you're just not sure red mosquito is a highlight for boom yeah just listen to it I think of Red Mosquito. And Mike is going to have midway through this set, when Immortality Present Tense come, kind of come around, uh, Mike is going to start blossoming into this set and really take over this show. But even in a song that is very Mike-dominated, Boom at the End is just, once again, fantastic. The star of the first half of the show.
3: Yep. I agree. And like, In My Tree and Present Tense are such big moments here. I think, you know, Red Mosquito being kind of sandwiched in between. It's a one, two, three punch. Three no-code songs in a row, like, yes. Absolutely. Every show. Love it. And it's an, it's another moment where it's kind of jarring because we've heard all these Red Mosquitoes, they play at every show now in 2021, I guess. But
0: just you know, Where, where boom, was Danny Clinch this night? Exactly. Who was he taking
3: hearing, pictures for? Oh, the boom was standing in for him. He was, he was setting the stage. He was warming, up, warming <laughs> them up for it. But it's so unexpected, but when it comes in, it's just like a breath of fresh air. It's like, oh, this is what we've been waiting for on the song. Like, when we hear all these different versions, it's like something to make it fresh and sound just different than what we're used to hearing. And, and, it, and not just for the sake of being different. Like, he actually does a really good job. Like, you can tell they sound checked it, they
0: worked it out, and it sounds great. Yeah, definitely, you know, for this section, this section is a huge standout overall for the show, and we haven't even dug into really present tense yet, but Ed, after Red Mosquito, is giving Boom that deserved love, and, and you gotta listen to the background, because he's not Boom Gaspar yet, he's not Boom yet, you know? I, I, I don't know if Clarkson slash Detroit understands that that we got a keeper here as as your sixth man
3: yeah i think it might be too that the the recording you know in 2003 they were still fairly new to all these bootlegs and everything and they they might not have had a good microphone on the back and that's probably where the people were doing so you probably don't hear it as loud as you would
0: later if somebody in front heard it in the first 10 rows they'd probably say why are they booing that guy that's not Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah Mike is is prompted to start the one for present tense and it's capping off that that run of great no code songs and the build in this is just when it gets into that that transition into the second chorus is just oh tell me are you getting
1: something out of You
2: can spend your time alone Redigesting past regrets
3: Five horizons, this present tense says it coincides with sunset, and which is like something we always look at now with like a low light or something. And it's as it's pointing to the trees up on the hill while he sings, You know, do you see the way that tree bends? And like, it's too bad we don't have a video from the show, right? See, but um, I you know, you, you can picture that, and like that had to have been a special moment. And the other thing that they hit me on this was just Mike's guitar tone sounds it's this is my favorite. Present tense guitar tone. And this the really dirty, the really kind of distorted, heavy, crunchy sound that he gets on that intro is oh, it's just wonderful. It's my favorite way they play this. The
0: guitars were heavy in sounds on this show. It felt like it was a very loud show from a guitar standpoint. And that's good, and I don't know if that's a testament to the bootleg sounding really good, which I thought it did, or they turned it up just a little bit this but i think you're right i think the guitar tone for a lot of their show has something to do with it being unique the the three guitar attack was so tight within the ending and the whole thing is magnificent like it's it's one of their best songs it's these three right here that all together fit in so nicely packaged and just really 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 good music nothing more to say it was a ride this whole set is just like What if we just played all our best songs? That's that's how I see it. Yeah, Yeah. literally, like I I wrote that that article that was like, oh, here here are my top fifty songs. And I, I can go through them. Last Exit's like 15. Brain is number 5. Hail, Hail is like mm, 18 or so. Save You is probably 18, 17. In My Tree, same area. 16, 17. Red Mosquito, probably like 22. Present Tense is 3. Green Disease, if it's not in the top 25, it's probably like 28 or so. Immortality is number 2. Yeah, and I'll, that, I'll, yeah.
3: even, I'll even do you one better than that. Like, if I were to do that in my tree hail hail present tense immortality all in my top 10 if not my top five save you is probably in the top 10 as well so yeah these are speaking it's not in a, in discount
0: corduroy that's coming a little bit yeah. after this yeah. like yep. that's number one for me so yep. it's the end of the no code stuff we're thankful that it happened. That that, that was that was awesome. Uh, and I, I wish we can get something like that in every single show, but that's what makes this one special. And I think in the future, when we think about No Code songs and we think about how they're put into set lists, I think we'll come back and talk about this show because I think it deserves that mention. So just keep that in mind. The next couple are going to be Green Disease, Immortality, Slight of Hand, and G- Green Disease like it feels like every few of these songs there's like one explosive song like Brain J exploded Save You exploded, Green Disease explodes, Whipping is going to explode after Slide of Hand they're putting some landmines in this show that sound really really good in Green Disease it's kind of like a perfect blend of speed while keeping the true songs like bounce and catchiness it's the, you know yeah. Uh, yeah, like it was, the cool it was fast. The cool there was a little bit of cool noodling before the song kicked in, and and you're like, okay, where's this going? But they just it it, it was it was a Ferrari type song.
3: And this this one, and you you mentioned whipping, and that's that's a good bookend for this little section. But they're both, I thought, played fast, but still like groovy Fight. not like groovy in like a groovy kind of way but like in the pocket. They kept their groove and like you felt the rhythm of the song stay the same and, like that's the complaint that a lot of people have in the 2000s 2010s is that they play the song so fast that they lose that but here they're playing them faster but they still keep that and that's kind of the sweet spot where you want to be if yet yeah, this is this is very well done but to bury the lead immortality and sleight of hand you mentioned that this is where mike was
0: going to come in and oh my god yeah uh he 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 gets it
3: yeah
0: yeah um there's no arpeggiated intro on immortality which i think you get used to that and when it comes up like this even in a bootleg even when you know it's going to come up it's like the sense of urgency almost you just hear that beginning you're like oh it catches you off guard and you're like wow that okay i'm in yeah mike uh oh his guitar was just sounding crisp in this and letting the notes ring out and just letting it go towards the end of the solo i mean what else do you gotta say immortality is one of their best songs too all of these are are all of their best songs and and you know i i have something that i want to say that needs to kind of be a live on four legs element here and maybe into 2022 this becomes sort of a thing but some of these songs have need-a-cigarette moments. And following Mike's solo on Immortality, right when, you know, that that they're they're kind of going back into the original riff before getting into the, the final chorus, the crowd explodes, that's your need-a-cigarette moment. That's your everybody's on edge, and then climax, you need a cigarette.
3: the mic solo but then Jeff is also doing some like really kind of cool kind of meandering bass walking around it sounds awesome and then Cameron comes in and it it all kind of like again the build in Immortality is just fantastic but I think sleight of hand might even be a better mic moment than Immortality because he just comes like just screeching in on that thing and it's perfect they played sleight of hand, like, never. 48? Yeah, times, yeah. Less than 50 times, but just, it it pairs so well with Immortality, just the two of them back-to-back.
0: Yeah, and I think what, wh- and what you're saying here is that, like, sleight of hand sometimes, and, and I was thinking about this in this version because I thought this version was tremendous, and especially you hear Mike just absolutely tear through the, the chorus. Like, he, he's almost in the background while the song is progressing, doing this, and you're just, where's that sound coming from? That's incredible. Slight of hand? It doesn't feel like it gets a lot of energy sometimes. And even when you know, maybe in this era, when I think about like you know, backspacer to lightning bolt, when a couple times it does get played, it's just kind of it's 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 stays in its lane a little bit and maybe that's why next to immortality which is saying a lot but it's a song that we have a lot of reps with especially with mike especially like no that was not the best mike solo on immortality ever i can easily say that but it was great but this sleight of hand however that that's what catches you off guard because you're like this never happens during this song even in the binaural era few times that they played it when do you hear stuff like this almost never
3: yeah it's like the era in 2003 where the riot act songs kind of built on what sleight of hand was there's a lot of that in some of the riot act songs so they felt kind of more comfortable doing it or it felt like it fits in better with those but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's another moment in the show that kind of, like, is a left turn. Like like Ed said, they're going to be experimenting. They're going to be doing different things. And this just comes out of nowhere and just kicks your ass. It's just amazing.
2: What he was shifted.
0: Whipping, I think you mentioned, if you want to bookend this section, it's Whipping. And once again, you're bouncing around with these just fast-paced, momentum kickoff songs, and Whipping does that. Whipping to get you into Corduroy and Down is just fired up. It it almost doesn't let you take a breath, you know? Like, Ed's just vocals are, are in full vigor mode, and, like, it's coming at you with such a speed and veracity and i think that that's the lure of really good versions of whipping are that you just get lost and it's like a, a yeah. two minute speed roll sometimes and you're just like where where did that song go after the end of it, you need another one or two times of it to be like okay what what just happened there because it was just so fast and it sucked you right in you're just like where where'd this go but it was it was really good
3: and it's another thing that just changes the. Whole feel of the set because you know we're used to getting these kind of mic moments in the middle of the main set, whether it's Immortality or Even Flow or Nothing as It Seems or whatever Given to Fly. But normally the song after that'll be like a Daughter or a Wish List or something kind of like kind of reset, and like a Sirens even in the later years. But here they're they're immediately going back to just punching you in the face with whipping, and it's another thing that just makes this main set feel different.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where, like, if if I were to say the elite part of the set list, I, I, I would say from Last Exit through Whipping is where this thrives the most. And it's not that Corduroy through Spin the Black Circle doesn't thrive. I think it's just section that way the next part of this set list is going to be special in its own right and, and that's going to start with, with Corduroy and down yeah. and Corduroy's the first hit that you get here that's yeah and you're not going to get many more of them yeah. uh, you know and even so do you think the suit's really know corduroy as much as they would know like a better kid was a playing daughter. on the
3: radio i, I remember hearing all that. yeah
0: remember but but you you know those people those are those are yeah those are the people that they're only going to know the number one song they might look up and they might be like okay out of all of those this is familiar but not something that they're going to sing along to yeah. mike and mike and i think mike's the story with corduroy again yeah uh just another highlight just another loud blistering solo out of this big highlight. I think he's had what like five in a row now something like that Oh yeah he's not done. He's gonna have some more. he's he's pretty good. I'd say yeah eh, above average at least. You're getting a b-side now you're getting back- to- back b-sides. How about that? Love that's, it. That that's a way you can say, you know, f- fuck you to the guys in front. Yeah, you're get, you're getting down and then you're going to start the man man trilogy with with Leatherman before getting into the other man's. But over everything else, over Jeremy, over daughter, over everything else that that would make sense to go here down and Leatherman are built as your kind of building blocks towards the end of the set and it works it works out really well there this is the time that they're sort of starting to figure out what down is and what kind of song it is live and and i think at this point they're probably saying to themselves we made a mistake leaving this off of riot act i've always said that but oh, yeah. they, they've um, said it
3: before many times on stage it's, mm-hmm. it's made it perfectly clear
0: there's a really good line in that too where it says uh, hope can grow from dirt like me fuck me like that very fun they're they're still feeling pissed I think they're having fun while being pissed off, at least Ed.
3: Oh yeah, you know, I've mentioned earlier he's a little angsty in a little bit, but this is not like an angry Ed show. It's still like he's just he's just not he's not getting what he's used to getting.
0: Right, he's in he's in a good mood overall. Yeah. It's taking him out of his routine with with right. with the having show to work a
3: little harder for it.
0: Of course, yeah. So, this is where they're going to stop for a second after down and the crowd big reaction from this. Which must be nice to hear from them because they're you know again in their peripheral vision is probably not what they want to see but big reaction from the crowd and I would think a lot of that comes from the the lawn over there but he says here's a, another only a few you have heard that gets into Leatherman and again just like momentum how momentum continues to shift and build from one to another like leatherman's a good momentum song that continues this pace and and kicks off your your man trilogy. You know, I I usually don't really have much to say on Leatherman, and I don't have too much to say on Leatherman. But I, I I enjoyed this this version more than most. I thought that this one was fun. I thought that this one had a little swing to it, had some energy that maybe other versions don't have, and maybe the other versions just kind of feel a little bit labored. This this felt fun.
3: Yeah, and I'm gonna you know I'm gonna expound on this a little bit later when we get to our uh, top three in our ratings, but. This, uh, this Leatherman is a good example of, it. it just, it's just upbeat, it's just rocking, it, it keeps it moving. This just has, it's high energy, it just has a great feel to it. Yeah, it's just another part of this great main set.
0: The other man's in the man trilogy. I, th- I think that this is the best way to go if you ever want to do this. I, oh, I've yeah. always yeah. liked Leather and then Nothing in the Middle, you get to sing along and then Better Man is the spectacle. So this is the right way to go. So Nothing Man, I mean, you get those moments, too, and I I think I mentioned the the need a cigarette moment, which I want to make a thing, but it doesn't seem like you want this to be a thing, John. We'll
3: see. see. It's going to have to
0: happen organically. I'm not going to force it. Well, here's the thing. The crowd makes it happen, and it's another one of those moments where kind of at the end of Nothing Man, before they get into that, oh, like before, like right after those high parts, that's when the crowd starts to erupt and the song slowly fades out and and then erupt again once it finishes that's another moment like that <laughs> Very good version. Very, like, another good sing-along, another good... Ed just crisp and clear on it. Like, his voice, and for most of this, it's sounding pissed, but this one sounds more honest, if anything.
3: Yes, I agree. And I think the crowd was was with you on the Mike McCready love, because you can hear a couple of people in between Leatherman and Nothing Man going, Mike! Mike! Like they're doing a little Mike chant. That was cool. It was, you know, well-deserved from the, from the little run that he had there. But yeah. And again, it's, it's Ed on, on nothing, man. That that's his time to shine.
0: You want your hometown crowd to, to celebrate somebody and and pay tribute to someone. Well, Ed mentions that we did nothing. Then we did, uh, we did leather before that, but this is the toughest old man we've ever met. Chris Chelios, who I believe was still playing in the league in 2003, believe it or not. He probably played up until, like, 2008. Uh, I mean, he played until he was 45, some wow, a long time. But he dedicates this to Chris Chelios, which it seems like he's not as close. The way that he's, he's mentioning Chelios, it seems like he's not as close with him that he would become in, in in the later years. It just feels like it's almost like he's saying it as an acquaintance and not as like a really close friend in this. I don't know if you caught that because he it, says
3: he's the toughest old man I've ever met. So I think they've so at least met, right. Yeah. But yeah, probably you're probably right. I don't they probably that friendship hadn't quite blossomed as it as it would later.
0: Right. It would. And and for him, this one would be called Tougher Man. I think that even from the standpoint going back to to the first 10 rows even from that standpoint and this being a hit song i think what ed is trying to do here is saying all right we're giving you a song that you know but you're not going to hear it from us you're going to hear it from them they're going to give you the song the way that we want to hear it you take it think that was another subtle fuck you i think so and a very very good one the crowd singing along in the beginning and and clay had mentioned this as one of his top moments and he was right this better man is very very good the way that ed's adrenaline the adrenaline to it the attitude towards it i don't know if you noticed but um there's little things that you can hear from ed doing he kind of does like his version of MFC knowing in this like you kind of go yeah 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 like while the song is like grabbing momentum he's doing that stuff and and it continues to progress and just juice up at the end of the main set and and even it even during when they get into kind of the save it for later it gets a little bit melodic and it starts to build back it's kind of doing this improv about like you know singing kind of back and forth about forgiveness but maybe for not paying attention for a second Maybe you don't pay attention, but then the Don't Let Me Down and how big that was, that might be like one of the biggest belts I've heard on that in a very long time.
3: think about it this way you know we always talk about kind of the waves in a set list that like build and crash and you know you might get a rare song like you might get a green disease and then you might get a whipping and then you get the big sing-along the given to fly the jeremy the small town that like breaks that waves and gives everybody that cathartic moment to sing along And you hadn't really gotten that at all in this show better man is really the first sing-along really that this crowd gets to do and the wave just had been building ever since last exit. So yes, it was going to come crashing down in a major, major way. Yeah, I agree. This is like cathartic. Like it's you can you can almost feel like when he tells the crowd, like, oh, you take it. You can almost feel them like jumping at the chance to like, yes, here's one this is gonna be a big moment. And yeah, it's I agree, this is very well placed. It's it it couldn't have come at a better time, but just right before the end of this main set.
0: Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Cool. It was the perfect way to almost end the set, like getting right into Spin the Black Circle. And that's like three Vitalogy songs right in a row to to end your main set. And even thinking about that and the whole idea that they played seven, when I think of Nothing Man, Better Man and Spin the Black Circle all together, the first thing into my head isn't Vitalogy. It's just Pearl Jam Live at its finest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of those just,
3: songs are just classic. And think of it too. They right. look, at, look at, you know, always look at the bookends of the set. Like, what did they start with? What do they end with? Last exit opens, spin the black circle closes
0: down. One the and number two, one, two. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think to define this main set, if somebody asks you, like, hey, what's this show like? I think I would tell them, think about spin the black circle for a whole entire main set and take that energy and, that's what it sounds like overall. That's the vibe of it. Yeah,
3: yeah, I can see that. It's, it's very high energy. Like I said during for Leatherman, it's very high energy. It's very upbeat. You can tell that the band is wanting to put on a good show for those people in the back. Like they're trying to push the sound out. You know, there's a lot of great moments in this main set, and no ten songs in that main set. And how often do you get to say that? Almost never
2: almost
0: ever yeah but it's coming they're gonna get they're gonna get their time to shine very soon but it just fills out one of those very weird main sets and and you know I, i i i thought about this but i didn't write it down i don't know why i didn't but this is kind of like a precursor to some of those 2005 canadian tour sets and how just kind of randomized those were you know what i mean a little bit yeah you
3: talked at the beginning about how you know mansfield was just about a week away mm-hmm. and this is kind of that where they're just throwing darts with some of this stuff like like he even says like we're gonna experiment like and that was the experiment so they were already kind of thinking about that stuff here
0: right yeah uh, i'm on board Experiment a little more try it out a little more absolutely But that takes us to the Encore. Let's pause for station identification. Got a couple things to talk about here. First off, let's mention the first thing that we're doing, and that's on Sunday. Sunday, take a gander over to the Pearl Jam Podcast community page that we run over on Facebook, because what we're going to be doing at 9 o'clock Sunday night, Sunday the 12th, is if you remember, and this is for... The, pay, the patrons that, that have probably had listened or even participated, but we have done set list drafts in the past. And they've been really fun. And and what happens is we'd start at the beginning of a set list and we draft the whole entire set list in order of what it would be. And then, you know, people would steal ideas for songs and then you get at the end, you would kind of figure out, Oh, well, you know, I, I gotta find the placement for this. And, and it gets really difficult when people want to take, you know, a live as their, uh, main set closer or something like that. You have to be kind of creative with those things. So, the Setlist draft idea, we 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 loved it and we did it for like a year and a half, and it was one of those things that we just didn't have a lot of time for. However, it's back and it's in a different format now. And now we're we're actually going to be doing a live stream for it. And it's gonna be a little bit different. And I don't want to spoil things because the participants that are involved don't really know what's happening. They know that they have one job that they have to do, but when they show up on Sunday, all hell is going to break loose. It's not even a setlist draft, John. It's a setlist frenzy, and you're going to be participating. It's going to be you. It's going to be our, our good friend, Brandon Palomo from the Better Band Podcast, and, and two the, like basically brand new members of Live on Four Legs, essentially, that are doing this hallucinogenic recipe show that got a lot of rave reviews over at Patreon. That's going to be coming to the main platform pretty soon. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little while, but the co co-host for that Patrick Bogle and Brian Horwitz, they're going to be doing this and it's just going to be fun, man. I I think, you know, every, everybody likes when you have a little bit of suspense and, and you you add a little bit of spice with, with, with Pearl jam content with that. Are, Are you excited for it? How are you feeling about it? Oh, definitely. I'm
3: definitely excited, and I, I love doing these. You know, we started doing these a couple of years ago. It's always so interesting. It's always so different to see how it plays out every time. And yeah, this one with it being like the wrinkle, we're going to be on video. People are going to be able to to tune in and watch the live stream and see how it plays out. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited, definitely.
0: And tune in because you never know. You might be part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. There might be some okay. audience side. Then maybe John close his away ears a little much. bit. give away too much. I'm not, but look, I, I think you might want to show up because if you show up, you might have a say in something that happens. You never know. Or you, you might just enjoy it just by watching. So that's going to be 9 o'clock Eastern time on the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook. And I think it's probably going to be spread to most of the Facebook groups out there. So just check your timeline. Check your feeds on Facebook. I know Facebook sucks, but just head to it this one time, please. You know, just stop scrolling, stop posting memes, and just just watch the live stream. and Monday
3: night, 9. Check it out.
0: That's yep. It's a lot of fun. We'll be with uh, Anthony from Touring Fan as well. He'll be uh, he'll be hanging out with us uh, for this. And and uh, thanks to him, he's uh, letting us use his software for us to to, to go live because we are faces for podcasts. So uh, now this is a a different boat for us. So we'll we'll try and row it in the right direction. Patreon stuff. I think we have somebody to thank this week, but he didn't give us a last name. So I'm just gonna thank Nick. Nick, wherever you are, yeah, whoever you to- are. Thank you, Nick. Didn't present a last name to us, but that's okay. No last name needed. You're, you're part it, of the Dr. group.
3: Maybe it's Dr. Nick. If we just we talked about Brandon. We, maybe it's <laughs> <him> Dr. Nick.
0: <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to end up with a leg for an arm and an arm for a that's leg. Right. That's right. So, uh, yeah, uh, things always happening on Patreon. You never know. I th- maybe something could happen there later this week. You just never know. We could drop surprises. We tend to do that sometimes. But head on over to donate to the show, patreoncom legs. And hey, you know what? If you like listening to the Patreon stuff, but you don't want to listen to it on the Patreon app, you can also listen to it through liveonfourlegs.com. Wouldn't you believe that? So go over yeah, there and
3: that website. Keep checking.
0: While you're there, check out the reviews. All the episodes, all the reviews from the U.S. tour in 2014 to to what they just did a couple months ago. All the reviews are up there. And uh, the one last thing to promote is the Christmas party that is happening next Thursday. It's going to be an open mic and once again it's open to anybody that wants to play, anybody that wants to come and, and witness. You just never know who's going to show up to to that as well. So, if you want to perform, there is a sign up on liveonfourlegs.com. Just just head to it and put in your name, put in some songs that you want to play and and we'll get you we'll get you on the set. And hope to hear you or see you there. So, that'll be over Zoom and we will be distributing the link out the day of the party. So, into the encore, back to the rock. And the way that we're gonna start this is, I think this is pretty common for the 2003 tour to just jump right back into the set with "You Are." don't even address the crowd. And after all that, I think you needed to ease them back into something mid-tempo after, it was, it was, it was a rush to get to 17 songs in this. And I think you, you just needed one that kind of builds you back up. Even so, even so, with that build, with that mid-tempo, there are some heavy moments in this version of "You Are." It sounds just a little bit louder and a little bit more jacked up than usual versions do. I liked it; it was very good.
3: Yeah, I can imagine the you know the energy backstage after that main set coming off. Oh yeah, in the black circle, they're just mm-hmm. like, let, let let's go, let's just keep going. Like, don't waste any time take a piss break if you need to and then we're getting right back out there so right yeah you are is great and again we hit on one uh i think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago we talked about one with we highlighted some uh, of cameron's background vocals and it really sounds good here as well and then McCready at the end and the the, the soul of the last part is just fantastic so one yeah, of 20 is, McCready moments from the show exactly this is yeah this is you know it's Act actor like i said you're only getting three of them here but this this one's a standout
0: and in between, real quick, is just saying thank you. You've been great this evening. Thank you very much. And uh, the rest of this encore is going to be well, it's not going to be for the people in front because it's not for them. It's going to be for everybody else that loves the 10 material because this is all 10 songs or 10 era songs. It's Even Flow, then State of Love and Trust, then Black and Alive to close it out. But Even Flow, let's start with that, of course, because anytime that I hear 2003 Even Flow, I have to bring this up. It was Mike's best year on the song. And it's his finest display of what his talent is. Every time we do a version of a 2003 show, I I immediately think to this. To think of the guitar gods, to think of your Jimmy Pages of the world, your Eddie Van Halen's of the world, and to think of what their best showcase moments are that you just want to watch and just be astounded by. And for Eddie Van Halen's it's probably an Eruption. For uh, Jimmy Page, it could be a number of songs. For Mike, it is 2003. It'd give me almost any version of Even Flow in 2003, but it is 2003 Even Flow where you just watch it and are blown away by it. <laughs> shining moment and i think this is part of his legacy
3: hmm. okay that's interesting because i could say that for any number of years it's interesting that you picked 2003 as the i,
0: as the, I thought he was at the top of his game
3: okay. at the top of his game on it yeah i thought this this version really really had a nice drive had a really nice kind of pace in and flow to it. i thought it was excellent and you know, you know we're finally getting some 10 songs here so the streak is broken but it feels earned it doesn't feel like they're just kind of throwing these out there to to appease the you know the, the casual fans it feels like that's it's part of it's part of the main theme of the set
0: well i'm going to bring something back that i told you that i was going to bring back at the beginning of the show and that's the end of even flow i don't know if you caught this but this is immediately directed towards the 10 rows in front oh my- Yeah, yeah, I know you'll vote Republican.
3: Interesting. Yeah, I I noticed it was something different. I didn't go back and and re-listen to it to catch that, but yeah, that's that's good.
2: Mm -hmm. It
3: always gets those little jabs in. He always lets you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm digging it. State was, I, I mean, another that's just a momentum just continuing just right in the middle just from song to song here you're building blocks and it's a, a, a like we said there are 20 mic moments i think we could do a secondary episode of this that is just Mike's show but look it, i mean everybody else can get the credit too but it balls to the wall version of state of love and trust where nobody's asleep at the wheel ed's holding out that listen line. And well, that's one of my favorite things on later versions of State of Love and Trust, where he just holds that note out, and then you're waiting for that to come and nothing. And that's that's another great moment. It's not quite a need-a-cigarette moment, but it's very, very good.
3: Yes, it's excellent. The mic moment that I highlighted is coming up next. Black, huh? Okay. Yeah. Yep.
0: I thought that this was very interesting, because this is an era of black where Stone is using the Gretsch and the dichotomy of kind of that folksy, you know, almost banjo-esque sounding rhythm that stone has is being balanced with Mike's just electric and reverberating sound off of his guitar. So what about Black for Mike? What exactly made this stand out to you?
3: It's just I mean it's it's almost an intangible thing. It's like you can tell when he's putting a little bit of extra—you hate to say soul because it's so overused—but a little bit of a more feel and a little more like power into it—and this one felt like it just, it immediately just took off and, and never stopped. And I love the sound that that Stone has that you mentioned. I think it makes the song timeless. Like you know, I think when, there was one Bridge School that we or one episode that we talked about where this song could have been you know it could have been a hit for the the rolling stones in the 60s it could have been a bob dylan song it could have been a song in the 70s it just it just felt timeless and this is one of those timeless versions of black i think
0: yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. And I think that when you say that it just continued to progress, like when Ed's holding another line there, just like the listen, the B line, and that at the end, uh, yeah, where the crowd comes in and Ed just continues to hold it the whole entire time, I think that's what starts to set the song apart and starts to kind of break off into what it would become in this little jam here, in this little solo section. A nice. Plane landing. I love a good plane landing at the end of black. Here, you get it coming off so soft that you can hear Booms keys just tapping in the background. Very, very good. And Ed was satisfied by it because he he said himself, he said that was very good. Thank you. So he's liking it. It's okay by us. Absolutely. Your final original song of the night is alive, and it's exactly what you want out of this. And I think. What what I'm listening to is Ed just doing more crowd service things, like pointing out you, 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 you're still alive. Like the, that was a very cool moment. And again, alive has a solo in it, so it's going to be another mic moment. But it's overall very, very good.
3: I've got a trivia question for you here. I know you. Like I love trivia. You love the trivia questions. So I do. Four ten songs. In a row. We we had we have a couple of runs here. We had the three no code songs in a row. We had the three vitality songs in a row. Here we've got four. Uh, 10 era songs in a row. When was the last time they played these four songs back to back to back to back? Whoa, Huh. Without looking at live footsteps, without I'm not. and going to look.
0: I'm not. And do I have to give you a specific show? You can you see if see if you can get close. Oh, man, that's a a month and a year. Maybe that's so that's so tough, because even flow after this was pretty much relegated to the middle of the set. Um, Is it a notable show? Like would I would I definitely know it?
3: Maybe I'm. T- now I'm talking about before this. Like, when was the last time before this that they had done it? Oh, they've ne- they've, they've never done it since then. They've
0: never played. Oh, these okay, four. okay. I thought I thought that this was a- okay. Uh, no, so they've
3: never played these four in this order since since then. But they did it. They've done it. They've done it previously. So give me probably like me 1991.
0: Probably in 1991 or 1992 sometime. 1993, December 7th.
3: In one of oh the, that's, that's one a seattle show seattle shows yeah they did mm-hmm. it in the main set even flow state black alive and the only other time was the uh the final show of 92 tour with in maui when they did it interesting so they've only done it twice before in 93 and 92 yeah you would thought all those 1991 shows but they never did it they never did these four in this order in 1991
0: that's very interesting yeah well yeah. that makes sense because i think that Alive was more of a mid-set song than a late-set song then. So yeah, that that, and Black was in 1991 was rarely played. Exactly. State of Love and Trust didn't really blossom until 1992. Anyway, yeah, that's 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 a good one. And I I think you're right. It's so hard because these songs kind of have specific places now. Even Flow mid-set State of Love and Trust.
3: You'll never see it again.
0: No, the State of Lemon Trust, it gets flexed around wherever it can, but it's mostly mid to late main set, maybe jump in an encore somewhere. Black can be anywhere from end of an encore, beginning of an encore, encore two, late set, Alive, pretty much dead in its spot, the penultimate song, or last three songs of the night, so... Yeah, that, it's it's cool to see it like this, that's for sure. So, yeah, I don't know when we already did that show that you just mentioned, yep. the, the yep. December subject zero. so we might not ever do this again if we don't get to I Because I don't think that, that Hawaii show has a boot, does it?
3: Uh, it's, it might be one of those that doesn't, yeah.
0: Yeah. Encore 2 now, and again, like I said, that there are no more original songs, but they come back on stage and there's a voice you hear, come on, come on, come on! I... Don't know who it is. I went to Clay and I asked him who he thought it was, and he thought it was somebody from the Buzzcocks. But John, you don't think it's somebody from the Buzzcocks because it doesn't sound like an English accent.
3: Yeah, I went back and looked. It's definitely like a a Southern accent flair to it. I mean, the Buzzcocks, I've I've heard them talk. They have a very distinct British accents. I don't. They're think They're Cockney, was right? Yeah,
0: you'd have to think Steve Earl because Ed. Ed says Steve Earle in the beginning of this, and and they don't address him again until "Rockin' in the Free World." So it made sense.
3: A random like, just a random Steve Earle sighting. I,
0: <laughs> I couldn't get my head around this. Like, what was going? Please, somebody write into the show. If they know what was happening with Steve Earle in Detroit or Clarkston in 2003.
3: It had to be something he had just played there the night before. Maybe. Somewhere play was playing the night after, was just in town. Yeah, then maybe. maybe he met up with him somewhere and saw him at right. a record store or something. Like, could have been just something like that.
0: Totally random. Totally random. But it's, he'll join the band in a little bit. But But in this little section. He thanks the Buzzcocks, and this is actually a really, really cool speech here. And kind of taking the buzzcocks by saying uh they they feel lucky to have them here because it's inspiring and it's important to feel inspired in these days and times and we've seen that before where they brought like cheap jerk around and and guys that they've been listening to for a long time that were nice enough to to support them on tour and the buzzcocks are just another legendary punk band that they've probably been listening to since they were 14 years old inspired by the truth inspired by something real like a punk band real information real people telling you the truth don't be inspired by bullshit because it's out there it'll only inspire you to be bullshit hollow empty human being who will die and leave nothing from it that's such a i mean you tell us how you really feel right yeah like but completely honest and and is he wrong up for debate, yeah. but mm-hmm, yeah. right. There's so many great things that you can do in this world. Somebody wrote a great song 25 years ago called Leaving Here. 25, Leaving Here, sitting here now, it felt like it would have been 50 years old then. I don't know why it feels like the 60s to 2000s feels as long as it is now, but yeah. it just does. That's like a 50-year-old song now. It's weird.
3: Well, at least closer to 60, probably.
0: Uh, yeah yeah I don't, i don't know that you're on it but what I do know is that the energy is very good it's kind of going back to some of the fast and balanced songs in 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 the main set boom gets another moment on leaving well, here yeah, Did you notice yeah, that it
3: takes the first one i think it, if you're keeping track I think it's boom ed jeff mike that's what I have yeah that's exactly what I have come in wow
0: that's the first time we ever got the full solo right on that at least both of us and, got got and it matched yeah, up yeah. And i think it's we were both nice to right see
3: now. it's nice to see jeff starting to get in there a little bit because yeah. in the early the 90s ones he he wasn't getting one, so
0: it's nice to see him pop in there i think give up to the bass player you're a bass player so you know you should know that's right know your rights is very fitting for this night and fitting for the speech that just came before this 2003 is a politically active year it's feeding off of this it's got the firepower the punch to it uh it's joe strummer man it's legendary it's very very good
3: Yep, not a damn thing wrong with it
0: maybe we should throw in we did it one time and it's very rare that we get no your rights but when we do our top three in just a moment maybe we throw in a number one we do that <laughs> we'll do that we'll for the people Rockin' in the free world involves Steve Earle. That's Welcome to the Stage. And again, we don't know his connection to Detroit. I don't really know much about Steve Earle at all. I just know he's a songwriter. He's a folk, country songwriter, bluesy songwriter. I don't know the last time I've heard his music play a song for me, and I'd probably say, okay, yes, I've heard this before. But he's Nashville-based, and... I guess he started in the seventies, eighties, and he's released twenty one albums. That that just reminds me of like something that Neil Neil Young has done in that span of time. You know, like that's that's that kind of depth the, of discog that he has.
3: He has a reputation for being kind of a musician's musician. Like mm-hmm. he's he's your favorite artist, favorite artist, right?
0: Right. You know, sure. Tom
3: Waits ish kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But I think the, you know the the thing I associate with the most and it's tragic is like his son, Justin Towns Earl. I think it had, had committed suicide maybe a few years ago.
0: I, I had
3: passed early
0: that I had saw, I had saw in 2020 uh, somewhere where, where I was looking at his family because there, there's another thing that, that is, I'll get to in a second that I don't want to, uh, you know, bump over this, but I had read that he had passed away in 2020. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So tragically, yeah. recently, but that thing is, Steve Earle's been married seven times. Mm. Twice to the same woman.
3: That's country, country music, man. That's how they do it.
0: That's live fast, live hard. And if you need a visual here, if you don't know who he is, think of like one of the Duck Dynasty guys with the big, long gray beard kind of deal. Like, oh, yeah. that's that's what you're getting here. But very liberal, very left wing on the viewpoint. So that's, you know, th- I think that's always been his thing. He's always been very uh, politically charged, politically active, especially during this time period. Uh, he was he was writing records the same way Pearl Jam was writing them with that kind of, a,
3: kind of a throwback to the outlaw country from like the 50s and 60s kind of for thing. sure. For Wade sure, Jennings and Merle Haggard and those
0: kind of guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can you can hear some of his parts. He's got a like a little bit of a melodic part heading out of the solo. That sounds pretty good. I think There's that was so him. So many guitars
3: all over this. It's just, I, uh, yeah. If you love guitars, just put this on and just lean back and just and just revel in it.
0: Apparently, Ed's climbing up amps during this. Like that's that's a you know we we can't we don't we don't got that we don't have that yeah, but yeah. he's. He's doing some antics. Rocking them for a world is the antics song, but it's also going to close out your night. It's going to close out your two night stay in Farkston or Detroit, wherever they are, but they'll be back. They've done shows in Detroit again. They'll be back and we'll probably be back to Detroit at some point in the future too. So I
3: want to get to that night. One show now. I want to, that's that be very up, interesting have to bump that one up on the, on the list.
0: Let's, uh, let's do the three here. Number three, I am. Number three. Right to pick a no-code song. Sleight of Hand. Good pick.
3: Loved it. Number two. Present Tense. For all the reasons that we mentioned and more. Number one. No surprise. In My Tree.
0: Not a damn thing wrong with that group. Are you ready? Right? Red mosquito, love the ending. Love what Boom was doing. I think it's so unique. I think you, the the little pieces of the song, uh, or of songs in general, that, that you get sometimes that are just completely different, are just just fun. And uh, yeah, good good version, good standout. Number two, Brandon J. I can't put Brain of J. over in my tree. Can't do it because that in my tree is special. But this Brain of J is top tier, top top level. Like I said, A. Plus. Like put that within top 10 best Brain of J's of all time. All of
3: Fame. All of Fame. Give it a all buzz. All of
0: Fame. Absolutely. But uh, number one in my tree. The short time that we have with doing versions like these, they, they, it feels like they come up so seldom and, you know, they might've played it once in 2005, but I don't remember. I like, it, it it's tough. It's tough to gauge on that, but it, you have to, you have to sit there and appreciate what it is when it comes up. And it's just, it is one of those masterpieces. They're able to rework something that works so well to begin with and make it that more fascinating. And, uh, what, what a job they did with it. And that, that's, I think that's the highlight. That's, that's the one to take out of this show.
3: If I was going to take one song from this and like put it on my phone and like mm-hmm. put it in my regular rotation, it would be
0: that one. Like deprogram this show and this would be your number one with a bullet? <laughs> uh, yeah, no doubt. Now we rate it. And when you think of a rating, you think like, okay, where does the stand among. You know, all of the shows of all time and, and, or like, where does this stand within the idea of you enjoy listening to this and you think that other people are going to appreciate listening to this as much as you did. I'm going to do a rare thing and go first. This is 9.5 for me. Wow. This is very high, very well respected. Uh, I can't get over the fact that they played all my favorites to to, to start. Uh, that, I mean, that's just mind-blowing, but it's still everything that they did in that section is all three of my favorite moments are from that. So it, it just all worked out so perfectly.
3: 9.5. Interesting. Um, yeah, so for this, I mean, I, I think I mentioned before, everyone, my thing when I was listening to this is just like I just picture them making the set list and, and just going like, "Well, what if we just played all our best songs?" And I don't know if it's that this kind of caught me in the right mood or it was kind of the the right thing for me to listen to. And like a lot of times we we have videos of the shows, especially you know some of the 2000s era shows and the 2010s. There'll be a video, so you kind of you're kind of sitting back and you're watching for things and you're listening. But this one. There's no video so I just kind of put on the headphones and was was checking it out and listening to it and it really really stuck out to me as as being very good. I was just kind of listening to it and I caught myself just kind of like just grooving and rocking out like just listening to it like having a great time and it didn't really let up. I thought that you know my rating was going to be a little inflated because of that because this like isn't really a classic show like there are not a lot of great crowd moments like you would think a show with a high rating like you gave it would have but i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a nine yeah i think this is this really exceeded expectations like i said you know clearly i love doing these uh patron episodes because we find these kind of gems that it would have taken us a long long time to get to and this one was just a pleasure to listen to if you got a couple hours you just want to put on something and just
0: it's a 2 hour show you guys let it wash over
3: you yeah just put it on you'll have a great time i'm um, i'm i'm with you i'm giving it a 9
0: yeah, uh, like that from a bootleg experience, and sometimes I think more historically, like like you said, uh, and where this stands among the moments, and and how they build off of the moments. But this is straight up. I'm judging it based off of how good of a bootleg it is, and I don't and do you're, that very yeah, often. Yeah,
3: if you're especially if you're kind of if you've been listening to a lot of kind of the more bloated like shows, and that's not a not a dig. Like your Safeco's and your Wrigleys, and you've been listening to a lot of these epic like three and a half hour shows or then like lightning bolt era shows where you're, you're getting these like long things and like, and especially if you're like, if you're, you kind of need a break from the 10 songs. Like if you're um, like you know, a lot of people, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to go to Jeremy right now. I don't really want to go to why I'm kind of uh, deep. I'd be a little overdone, like no 10 songs in this main set. So you can come in on it fresh and then you can go back. I'm sure, you know, the one that, I'm sure, you know, we'll go back to doing shows with a lot of 10 songs in the next week and the next month. And it'll, it'll be, this is just a nice little break from that. So I'm get maybe giving it a higher rating. And, you know, I think we both might be giving it a higher rating that deserves just because it might have just hit us at the right time. But I, I love to listen to it. I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah. It, it wasn't a chore to listen to at all. And I don't mean that other shows are chores to listen to, but, you know, Sometimes you need to find time to listen to music. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's you guys know what life is. I don't have to explain what finding time and and uh, especially time to yourself. Um, a lot of people have kids out there. I'm I'm new to that facet, but this one was one that I was able to actually get out of the house this past week and, and go drive around a little bit and do an errand or two. And I put this on and I think I was able that that's why I was able to be, be a lot more comfortable with it. Like you say, and and, and just enjoy it. So go listen, please enjoy this one next week. I, I mean, uh, sorry to say this guys, but uh, next week is our final episode for 2021. And uh, it's been a really fun, Fun, wild year listening to all these shows and and talking to a lot of new people that had uh, uh, great experiences at these shows and getting a lot of shows that we both had not dug into before. This was a year for some shows that, like this one that we're going to do next week, are very popular, but a year for some shows that also just completely off the radar, like the one that we had today. And uh, it was a good one. I I really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that we did this year. And I think that next year you guys will be surprised on some of the stuff. There's going to be a real lot of Patreon requests that we get to very early. And then we're going to do a couple treatments. Some things that, you know, from 30th year anniversary of 10, that kind of takes you back to 1992 that we'll do. And then there's some things, I think John mentioned Fargo before. So kind of put two and two together with what Fargo could be for what we can cover with it in, in 2022 and, and sort of figure that out and maybe what kind of treatment we can do with that and a couple other shows. But it, it, there's stuff that's going to happen. There's stuff that we want to get to. But we're going to close out next week by going back one more time to the Hometown series. And I, I held off on this one. I know chronological order is something that's very important to us. And we went out of chronological order twice with this series but it makes sense for this one because i said it when we did let me sleep in the safeco episode last week you need christmas stuff during christmas and this show has christmas stuff so we're closing out break out your dvds we're closing out the year with the show box from 2002 everybody knows this show it's going to be a good one nothing not not much more i could say about that this is a pretty pretty famous show right and we're still in this era we're going to get a lot of this kind of similar stuff you know riot act era so very good that we're going to be working off those songs again very early versions of them too so excited for it yep very and cool. obviously we have two more weeks but we're going to take those two weeks and and do a couple things and, and maybe put some stuff in the can for for patreon and for other things and we just wanted to to take a little break. I think you know anybody that 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 saw what was going on on social media and stuff can can tell that that uh, a break is needed from this, and and the holidays are a good time to kind of do it and kind of hit the refresh button a little bit. But hopefully, what will happen after we put the Showbox box episode out is that we will be able to have our first. Episode, the pilot episode for Hallucinogenic Recipe, which is a show that, like I mentioned before, Brian and Patrick are doing that focuses on the bootleg collecting years and focuses on grabbing tapes from uh, and recording tapes and finding tapes and. Anything that has to do with taking in Pearl Jam's live aspect from about 1992 through 1998, kind of deal. Like, that's all gonna happen through them talking. John and I aren't going to be involved. We're just going to listen. We're just going to be fans of this one. So uh, I think we're going to put that out the week after the show box. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. And if you want to get an early start on that, that is over on Patreon, patreon.com slash live on four legs. If you want to check that out live on four legs.com, I don't mention the website enough, but please go to live on and just Immerse yourself in the stuff we got going on, because that'll be important going into 2022 as well. Okay, I got nothing else to say, but subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Spotify, YouTube, doesn't matter. Just subscribe so you know what's coming up next. And hey, you might not like what's coming up in the next couple weeks, but you might like one that's coming up later. So you might not want to ignore it going forward. So I'm out of adjectives. I'll go through the spiel This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. Uh, From Clarkston or Detroit or somewhere in Michigan, wherever it was. We're going back to Seattle next week, so we'll see you there.
3: Facebook, Sunday night, 9 p.m., setless draft. Thanks, everybody.
1: Hey, uh, we just want to thank again the Buzzcocks. Rubbing in the show. We feel lucky to have him with us, and uh, it's uh, it's inspiring, and you know, you know how important it is to be inspired in these days and these times. Mm-hmm. Inspired by the truth, inspired by something real, like a real punk band. Mm-hmm. Like real information, like real people telling you the truth. That's all uh, we'd like to say to you is don't be inspired by bullshit. Because it's out there. And it'll only inspire you to be a bullshit person yourself and a hollow, empty human being that will die and leave nothing left on the earth except for the things that you took away from it. There's so many great things you can do in this world.